Hey guys, this is Mike, and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. I love impressionists, good impressionists, and at least in my experience, really good ones are hard to find. I grew up watching uh, folks like Rich Little do impersonations on uh, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and he was great. But the only thing about Rich Little and uh, plenty of other impressionists is that regardless of the voice or the character he was or the person he was impersonating, I could still hear Rich Little's voice behind it. So whether it was Richard Nixon or Johnny Carson that he was impersonating, I could always tell, oh, that's Rich Little doing an impression of Johnny Carson or of Richard Nixon. John Kennedy, all these things. Jimmy Stewart was one of his popular ones. I still enjoyed it, but I could always spot the man behind the impersonation. I found this, he's an actor, a comedian, and an impressionist. Jim Meskimen is his name. Really talented. He, if you ever watched Happy Days back in the 70s, Mrs. Cunningham, Marion Ross, uh, that's her son that I'm talking about, Jim Meskimen. Really talented guy, and he does some great impressions. And he switches so quickly. He goes, you can go from Ricky Gervais to John Wayne and to then right to George W. Bush, Obama, all these different ones really quick. And each time, it is so believable. He completely changes the way his body moves, little ticks. Uh, he takes on the personality of this person he's uh, impersonating. And I watched an interview with him recently on YouTube, and the talk show host asked him, how do you do it? How, how do you do it so quickly and easily and so well? And, of course, Jim is very talented, and he's been working at this craft for years. So, he, you know, he kind of shrugged his shoulder, and he said that every person has their own viewpoint and their own way of expressing their viewpoint, the way they see the world. And I just decide to shift viewpoints, to see the world from their viewpoint. And he goes on to say that people don't realize how easy it is to shift viewpoints. And when I heard him say that, I thought, wow, that's, that's a lot like you know, when we go into imagination and we shift states, we move into a different state of being, we become someone else. Not completely. You're not changing your voice. That would be weird. You come out of your meditation chamber and now you're, you're walking around like you're Robert De Niro. <laughs> I don't mean that. But we can move our viewpoints, the way we see the world, in just a second. And you know how we do it. We talk about it all the time. Neville teaches it so well. How would I feel if I were this person now, if this wish were, were fulfilled? And we move into that new state of being, this new attitude of mind, and see the world from this new viewpoint. I shift into states. I'm still Mike, even though Mike uh, is a state. We're all God. We're all one, fragmented.
And me, right now, this go-round, I'm Mike. But Mike can also move into states. And throughout the day, many, many states. I'll get to one I fell into uh, just a few days ago, over the weekend. Uh, I nearly died. I'm kidding, I didn't nearly die. But I thought that'd get your attention. (laughs) Neville says, a state is an attitude of mind a state of experience with a body of beliefs which you live by. He, that's from his Infinite States lecture. If you haven't read it, do so. You should read it. Uh, it's an attitude of mind. We change our attitude and our body of beliefs. Uh, I explain it to my kids like this, that you, if you're in one state where you're lacking something, you're lacking the money, I, I, this is good for my sons because they're all about building gaming computers. So one son didn't have the money and he was trying to figure out, oh, I need to do this. I'm going to have to work longer, more hours, and I need to do all these different things and save up. And then on this date, I can get it. And I said, well, yeah, you can do that. That's one way. I said, or you can, from this point, imagine sitting at the computer at your new computer and we went and i'm not going to all that what we how i walked him through and coming up with you know using an imaginal scene implying that his wish was fulfilled but back to states i explained it to him that currently he's in the state of mind or in the state of i don't have the money and it's going to be hard to get it to get to the gaming computer that i want that's a state and when he moved in imagination and moved from, I can't do this, it's just going to be hard to do, into the state of, I've got it. This worked out perfectly, or this is working out perfectly. He moved into this different state. And even though after he moved at that moment, he didn't have the computer, the computer did come a lot faster than he had originally planned. Things came about and money came his way and, and discounts on computer parts and all these different things, you know, all the middle parts, the how and why of it worked out without him having to stress over it. So when we move, we're in one state of mind, one state of consciousness where we don't have something that we want. And then we move into this new state of consciousness, into the state of, oh, I have it. I am healthy. Even though I'm hurting at the moment, I know I'm healthy. I know I'm healthy. I'm healed. At this present moment, I'm eating ramen noodles for supper, but I know that I create wealth. I know I create wealth. And you're seeing the world from a different attitude, a different state of mind. And so when you're dwelling in that new state, the things you used to worry about pertaining, you know, especially to that specific wish, the things you used to worry about, you're not worrying about it that way anymore. Do you see what I mean? That when you switch a state, you move from a state of lacking a particular thing into a state of having that particular thing, then you're not worried about it. Now, every state, with every state comes beliefs and reactions and opinions, experiences, and limits. Every state of consciousness has, has limits. We, that's how we experience this life, this human experience. We 
have these limits we place on ourselves, and then each state we can choose to dwell there, go back, or expand, push past those limits. Okay, I doubled my income. Let's double that again. Okay, I got out of the wheelchair. Let's heal my teeth now. They say gums, gum recessions incurable. Challenge accepted. Keep pushing past our limits that we place on ourselves. So limits aren't bad. Nothing is inherently bad. It's the meaning you give it. I look at it. Remember that uh, there was a years ago, when was this? Uh, around the turn of the millennium, there was a book that came out. And it was big in the Christian world and in the secular world. It was called The Prayer of Jabez. And I, I can't remember the, the author's name, Dan Wilkinson or something like that. I interviewed the man, actually. I got to meet him face to face. And this is when I was a reporter. And I got to interview him and John Maxwell and a couple of other, uh, Max Lucado. But um, I interviewed Wilkinson or Wilkerson. That's a shame. I interviewed him and I can't remember his name. To be fair, that was two decades ago. But I digress. The book he wrote, The Prayer of Jabez, was from an Old Testament verse about Jabez praying for God to expand his borders, enlarge his tent. And I like to look at that. Uh, when I th Every now and then, I saw something. I was reading uh, Walter Lanyon the other day, and he said something in one of his books about that. He kind of quoted that, enlarging your tent. And it reminded me of the prayer of Jabez. And so when I'm in a state, when I'm moving, moved and dwelling in a state, then I do naturally want to enlarge my tent. I want to expand my borders. I want to, the limits of that state, okay, cool. Let's move past that. Let's move into another state. I want to keep going and growing and expanding. And I'm sure you do too, or you wouldn't be listening to Feeling Twisty. Back to the acting trade. Jim Meskimen is a very talented impressionist. And I was talking to my buddy David Breslow on the phone the other day. And uh, you, if you're familiar with the Neville Goddard groups, you may have seen David Breslow's name pop up a lot. He's got Wired to Win. You could check that out. He's also an actor, professional actor, and an acting coach. And that's what we were talking about for a little bit yesterday, about how he the difference he makes when he's t coaching actors. And I'm not going to get, in, get into his uh, possibly proprietary techniques. Don't sue me, David. <laughs> I don't, but I, no, I want him to share it. I think hearing him uh, my thousand miles away from me, I could see his face light up as he talked about his passion of coaching, helping actors become better at their craft. And he was talking about how by asking certain questions of the actors about the character they're about to play, that they're playing, how it, it changes their experience into they're no longer just Jim pretending to be Bob. They become Bob as they play out that role. And as he's talking to me about this, I said, David, this is, and I told him about Jim Meskimen, what Meskimen said. And I said, what Jim said and what you're telling me, David, you're describing what it's like to move into a new state of consciousness, regardless of whatever the wish is, be it seemingly big or seemingly small. When we move, we're taking on different aspects 
it's still us. I'm still Mike, but I'm moving into a different viewpoint, a different perspective, and I'm seeing the world. I've moved from being Mike wanting financial freedom and seeing and being aware there's money out there, but being aware of being poor into being the Mike that is financially free and comfortable with money. So my reactions are completely different to my daughter wanting to go shopping or us buying the good steak at the store, you know, the, the better meat to make fajitas. I love steak fajitas, you know, rather than getting by with, you know, cheap meat. Nothing wrong with cheap meat, but the reason why I was buying cheap meat in the past from the old state was because I was poor Mike, poor broke-ass Mike. <laughs> oh, just let me get it for a dollar a pound. That'd be great. You know, the kind of meat you have to marinate and then simmer for 10 hours to get it tender enough to even chew. So what they're just, what David's describing in his coaching, his acting coaching, is moving into a different state of being. And in their case, actually becoming someone else, a different character. But that's what we're doing. If you don't like what you are right now, the way your life is, you don't like your relationships? Are you upset about your health? It got you down? Or your financial situation? That's a character you're portraying. And God, some separate God up there high in the sky, didn't, isn't, you know, moving you around like a chess piece, watching from some magic bowl cauldron. You know, remember the, it was one of those Greek the uh, Greek gods movies where they'd watch everybody see the all their people down there and they'd look through this magic cauldron of water. The, the water would turn into the image of the earth and see all the humans. That's not real. Everything's within us. So there's no one out there writing your script for you. And there's no one create, creating your character. You get to do all of that. You get to write. You get to decide what sto the story is going to be for your life what character you want to play in that script. You get to direct it, portray it, edit it. <laughs> somebody, I saw a post the other day, or today, somebody talked about that. Uh, used that same kind of uh, analogy and said, you even get to you make the blooper reel. And I thought that was great. And if you've listened to my podcast, it's been, it's probably been, I don't know, several dozen podcasts episodes ago where I talk about that. It's called You're the Playwright and You Play All the Parts. You're, you're the mind behind everything. You're writing the script, telling your own story. And you get to change it. You can change it right now by becoming a new character or a character that's evolved They've had their aha moment, and look how wonderful things are now. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna define your character for you. That's for you to do. And it goes back to my other episode, 74, changing the feeling of I. Well, that's not the title. The title is just I. But it goes back to the changing your self concept. If you don't like the wheelchair you're stuck in, or the financial prison you've gotten yourself into, you can rewrite the script. 
You can. It's not scary when you realize who you really are. You ever watch those crazy, you know, just outlandish adventure movies or action movies, especially from the 80s and 90s? You know, just they were cool when I watched them when I was a, you know, uh, well, back then. And when now when I see them, I think, oh, that's just awful. And even now, some movies, it's things happening and, and it's like, there's no way that can happen. That's impossible. You know, the whole God and the machine way to get thing, get out of the trouble, get the hero out of trouble. Something happens so unpredictably and uh, out of nowhere and just fixes everything all of a sudden. Well, you are the God in the machine. You are the God in your machine. And so you can, you can write these outlandish, improbable, seemingly impossible resolutions to your story. You can. <laughs> oh, it reminded me of uh, what was the little Cajun man on Waterboy, the Adam Sandler movie. You can do it. <laughs> Neville also says in Infinite States, if you don't like the state into which you've fallen, move into another. I love how he just says it so simply. If you listen to his, his voice on his lectures, you can read, when you read his lectures, you can hear him saying stuff like this. You, you know how he talks and his inflection. And then when I read that, I can hear Neville just almost seeing flippant about it. If you don't like the state into which you've fallen, move into another. Don't feel sorry for yourself, for if you do, you will make the state a habit and remain there for the rest of your days on earth. Dun, dun, dun. So let me tell you about the other day. It was a few days ago. I just, uh, it was one evening. All of a sudden, I had this intense pain on the right side of my face. I, my, the pain was so sharp behind my eye and around my eye, I couldn't even open my eye. And it was just, it, it was so bad. I've never felt this kind of pain before. My entire jaw was hurting on the right side. My jaw was hurting, my neck, and I, I was a little weaker, not numb, but I noticed my right side was acting weird, was a little droopy of my body. And a nurse, uh, Emily, in our family, she, she was here that night and she mentioned, you know, it could be a stroke. And I... And I just said, nah, I'm good. And I just came upstairs, uh, went upstairs and got in bed and listened to the television. I couldn't open my eyes to watch it. Everything was hurting so bad. I mean, it was, the pain was intense for a little while. And I'm laying there in bed. Then I remembered, I mean, I knew I was in a state, but I just had a moment where I could just lay still and just said to myself, Mike, you've just... There's nothing absolutely wrong with you. You know, at that moment, I could have, and in the past, I would have pulled out, you know, Google or WebMD and started looking up symptoms to diagnose myself. But I didn't. I recognized that I was in, just in a state. I was in a sickly, ill state at the moment. And for that particular thing, uh, I know the other day when I talked about infinite response, I couldn't trace back how I'd fallen into that irritated, you know, please throat punch me kind of state. But this time I could trace it. I knew 
how this began. The little conversation I had with myself about health. Uh, and so I know clear, I can see clearly how I got into this state. And here I was experiencing this intense pain in my face and the right side of my body. But when I recognized it was simply a state and that's all I told myself. It's simply a state. I just need to move out of the state. I don't need to go see a doctor. I'm not saying don't go see doctors. But at the moment, that was non-negotiable for me because I knew what I had to do, move states. And so right then, lying in bed, I just moved into back into my healthy state, my thriving state. And it took, just took a moment. I know what that thriving state feels like, that healthy state. So I just quickly pulled that feeling back around me. And I lay there in the bed for a few minutes. And I didn't even notice when it went away, when all the symptoms disappeared. But I'd sat up and looked at, said something to Kim. And she said, oh, you're feeling better? And I said, oh, yeah, I sure am. And she smiled lovingly. And I could see on her face, I knew what she did. She imagined seeing me healthy and feeling fine. I could tell from her, her reaction, I love you, Kim. So simply moving states is what I did there to get out of that awful pain I was feeling and recognizing that it was me that wrote that little story for me, that little subplot <laughs> in my story. I got out of that state though. I didn't feel sorry for myself. There was a time when I was full of self-pity. You know, anytime there was an ache, I would start looking up symptoms and then, oh gosh, this is awful. I need to go to the doctor and I can't do housework and oh, I need my parents to help me bring the kids to school and all these things I would start coming up with, build, adding to my story of this, this new storyline of sickly Mike. When I first got sick years ago, I mean, the real, the big sickness, even though I give, I'm joking about that, is there's no bigness or smallness, but the story that I've talked about a few times I remember when I, I started looking up symptoms and I started looking up all these awful things and I saw videos of people with dystonia, with generalized dystonia. And I, and it, I remember when I saw it, I said, no, I, it cannot be that. I do not want that. That's awful. But then that's all I dwelt on. And you know what I was diagnosed with? Yeah, generalized dystonia. I got exactly what I imagined. That was still a state. I was in a sickly state. And this, I was in a very, just to imagine myself being broken and, and just all these awful things that I imagined for myself in which the result of that state led to this, the illness and all these different things. All these different things, just like you, whatever state you're in, you experience the results of that state, whatever the state is. And if you, you're not going to experience the wonderful things of a lovelier state while dwelling in the un unlovely state. The other night when I was sick, I had those, those, that hour of feeling like crap. I, as I was, if I continue dwelling in that sick state, I could not experience health. There's no way I can experience health if I continue dwelling in the ill state. I had to move 
I had to let go of the sick state. I had to take the life out of it, pop the balloon, let the air out of it, and turn my life-giving breath back to my healthy state in an instant. When I go, if I were to have gone that night, if it had been a stroke or a heart attack or all these different things that I, I could have made it into, there's only one cause, only one person to, to know where it came from. I'm not going to say blame. It came from me, my state, the result of that sickly state. So don't give life to some crappy state. Stop giving life to this, the unhealthy state or the financial ruin state. It does not matter how many bankruptcies, bankruptcies you have in your past or how many broken relationships you have or how many illnesses you've had. You know, the doctors, do the doctors roll their eyes when they see you coming because you, <laughs> you have a punch card because you go so often? doesn't matter. You can rewrite the story. You can change the story right now. You know, in, the, in the really good stories, there's always the character or characters, the main ones have that point where they things aren't going well or they're seeking something. And then there's that point where things change and there's this moment of enlightenment or an, a life-altering event or a revelation. And it totally changes the direction they were going. That's why we like watching movies and reading good books because there's a, we like to see, we buy into the drama of it. And, and it's fun to kind of sink into the belief of, of how bad things are. But we really secretly, I don't think any of us want it to go bad, bad, bad. We want to see that redemption, that, the, you know, the bad guy turned good or the guy that's kind of the, the troublemaker but really has a heart of gold. You know, we want it, We like the drama. We like to see the stories. Or for, you know, the vampires, the reluctant vampire who ends up giving in and appreciating his new powers. I'm just coming up with stuff. I like vampire books too. <laughs> if you want to check out a, a good vampire author, uh, not just vampires, she does supernatural stuff, but she writes, a, there's a great series about vampires. Her name is Joe Moon. Joe with no E. <laughs> or she's also, I think on Kindle, it's J.N. Moon. Look her up. She's a great author. If you're into fantasy and supernatural books like that. But we like that. But do we, do we really like that for our lives? Someone that I've talked to recently, I'm not going to say the person's name, uh, talked to me. And they're in a dire straits as far as at least they think they are. They've been sick for a while, very sick. And, and he told me that years ago, he, he talked to his mom about how he, he'd never, you know, he knows people that have had struggles. He's, you know, he, he, at that point in his life, he'd never really had a struggle. Hadn't, he didn't have anything to overcome. You know, he wasn't a survivor, an overcomer. And he made a comment to his mom about he, how he'd like to experience something like that, overcome something. And he realizes now, that was years ago, now he's in a, a situation, he's in a state, an unhealthy state, that he, this is his opportunity to be that overcomer, to be that survivor. But even though movies and books, it's kind of fun to watch the struggle and to see them 
go through the fire, the furnaces, and come out a better person. You know, we don't have to imagine ourselves as overcomers or survivors. You know, we we all have something we've survived, but we we identify ourselves as I'm an overcomer or I'm a survivor, and we continue to let that be our theme, our identity. Then we'll continue having things we have challenges we have to overcome and survive. That's whatever we're conscious of being has to show up in our lives. And for years, most of my life, it was always the reverse that, well, whatever I'm experiencing in my life, of course, I'm conscious of it. I'm conscious of it because I'm experiencing it. But the reverse is true. I'm experiencing it with my five senses because I'm conscious of being it. Uh, The same good buddy who I talked about wanted to be an overcomer, mentioned to me he's in he's involved with neville and studying neville just as long as i have maybe longer i think and said you know he tried some he's accomplished some 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 of the stupid little simple things but the big things like healing and finances just too hard and he's not really really going to buy into this until he sees it actually happen you know when he sees that it actually works and i said "Um, buddy you're telling me that you're not going to believe this until you see it you know, I'll believe it when I see it. You will, and I said, you'll never see it. You'll never see it until you're being it. But how can I believe it? You might ask. How can I? How can I believe that I'm healthy when I'm in intense pain? I get it. I understand that it's. I, I've been there. I've been in intense pain, excruciating pain. But knowing that in spite of the excruciating pain, I know that I'm healed. And I'm not just talking about the wheelchair thing. I'm talking about other instances like the other night, excruciating pain. But I moved right then knowing even though at this present nanosecond, I'm in an effing lot of pain, I know I'm healed because I know I just need to move into another state, leave the sickly state behind and dwell in the healthy state. I've been doing that for a year, Mike. It's not working. Persist. I'll go back to what Neville says in Power of Awareness in in his lectures and his other books, but he says it so well in Power of Awareness. You really need to read that book. (laughs) Do it. Frequency and naturalness. The more frequently you get back into the state of your wish fulfilled, the more natural it becomes. It, it will not, if you just do it once and then go about your day doubting yourself and worrying, you're never going to get to that point of naturalness. And some teachers will say that you can still have doubt and still worry, have moments where you doubt and worry and still manifest. Yeah, but there... I guarantee you that everybody is still getting back into the state of their wish fulfilled. They're still getting it back into it frequently and making it natural. Now, you can be dwelling in a a lovely, thriving state where you you know that you can simply just have a desire and assume that feeling immediately and know that it's done. That's a state. When you get to the Jesus Christ state of consciousness, 
things really change. You're not, you don't have the days and days of worrying about a particular thing. But as long as you're in this body, this garment, you could easily fall back into a forgetful state. Forget that you have the power and the wisdom, that you are the power and the wisdom. I love you guys. Shoot me an email, feelingtwisty at gmail.com. This is Feeling Twisty.